good morning, everyone. I'm so thrilled that each one of you are here today. My name is Maddie, like Tom said, and this is the second time I've had the opportunity to speak this summer. A couple weeks ago, I shared as well, and it's such a privilege to be back. So thanks for letting me back in. <laughs> Have you ever heard of a man named George Mueller? This is him up here. He will appear. Anyways, <laughs> George Mueller was a Christian evangelist, and he was also a director of an orphanage in England in the 1830s. George Mueller. And uh, George and his wife uh, owned an orphanage called Ashley Down. It was located in Bristol. And over their lifetime, they cared for over 10,000 orphans. But Ashley Down had really humble beginnings. It started out in the Mueller's own home, and it could only fit 30 kids. But as it grew, eventually there were 2,000 orphans being cared for. And so, of course, they had to build more facilities. And eventually there were five homes built to care for these orphans. Now, these five homes that were built cost George Mueller £100,000. And in today's Canadian currency, that equaled $19.2 million. And this is the crazy thing. George Mueller never went into debt. And even more unbelievably, he never asked anyone besides God for financial support. So how on earth did he make it work? How on earth did he support his orphanages without, you know, going around asking for donations or something? Well, over the years, the Mueller's received tons of unsolicited food donations or money donations. But the problem was they often came only hours or sometimes minutes before they were needed. One time, Mueller sat down at the breakfast table uh, with these kids, and they were going to give thanks for the food, even though there was no food left in the house. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being responsible for these kids, responsible for feeding them, sitting down at the table and giving thanks for food that wasn't even there? But nonetheless, they sat down, they bowed their heads, and they prayed. And there's a knock at the door. George Mueller, he answered it, and it was the baker. The local baker had stopped by with enough bread to feed all of the kids. And that's not all. The milkman, his cart had just broken down outside the orphanage. He had enough milk for everyone, and so they were fed that morning. It's a pretty incredible story, but it's hard to relate to for most of us. Most of us don't have to sit down at the table every night and literally pray that God would give us our daily bread for that moment. So how do we, you know, privileged 21st century North Americans, how do we pray that God would provide as authentically as Mueller did? Well, that's where we're going today. So if you're new here, if you've missed a few Sundays, I'll catch you up. This summer, we're going through the Lord's Prayer together. We're learning and praying it. And we've gone through the first line, the first few lines already. Uh, this prayer is found in the book of Matthew. It's a prayer Jesus taught his disciples when they asked him to teach them how to pray. Now, the prayer has six petitions or six requests. You can kind of pick, pick them out. The first one is, hallowed be your name. And then there's, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so we've looked at the first few lines already. And today we come to the line, give us today our daily bread. Now, there's something about this request, this, the fourth one, that sets it apart from the rest. I'm not sure if you've noticed it yet. But the first three requests 
hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and your will be done. They all use the pronoun your. They all have that word in common. In these first three requests, the focus is on our Father. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. But this, third, this fourth line that we're looking at today, there's something different about it. It reads, give us today our daily bread. The pronouns used are us and our. And some would say at this line, we move from the Father's concern, God's concern, God's cause, to our concern or our cause. And now let's be honest here. That's kind of exciting, right? I mean, this is the part of the prayer where we get to ask for what we want. It's kind of what we've been waiting for. But before we get too excited, we'll look at what it really means to pray for our daily bread. Because when you consider that we're talking about ourselves now or that we're asking for what we want, it kind of feels like we're moving down the priority list, doesn't it? Like we've talked about the important things or the things God wants or the holy things or maybe the heavenly things. And now we're talking about something more ordinary, something more uh, less holy maybe, or something earthly. But that's absolutely not the case. Because if you take a look at the whole prayer, the central phrase of the prayer, on earth as it is in heaven, that, that line applies to the three lines above it. So we're praying that the Father's name be hallowed, that his will be done, and that his kingdom come, all on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus teaches us to pray, hallowed be your name on earth. Your will be done on earth. Your kingdom come on earth. That last part, that on earth as it is in heaven, it's applying to everything before that. So the first three petitions, they are holy, and they are you know, the Father's cause, but they're also earthly. So when we pray the first three lines of the prayer, we're praying that these requests would be made reality here on earth. So you see, we're not moving from something heavenly to something earthly at all. These first three requests are just as earthly as the rest of the prayer. And for people who knew or followed Jesus, the idea of bread wasn't new at all. In fact, food was a huge part of Jesus' ministry. All four of the, sto- of the stories about Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all share a common story. It's a story where Jesus takes five loaves of bread and a couple of fish, and he multiplies it enough to feed 5,000 people. And that's not the only story in the Bible where Jesus feeds people. Jesus was famous for hanging out with people around the dinner table. It was at one of these meals that he said, I'm among you as one who serves. Jesus sees himself as a server or a waiter of sorts. Jesus sees to it that people are fed. And then there's the Last Supper, the final meal Jesus shared with his disciples before he was crucified. Food was such a huge part, such a critical part of Jesus' ministry that he gave us, his followers, a meal to remember him by. That's why we take communion, to remember the sacrifice Jesus made for us, to remember, to celebrate what he did for us. And so you can see that Jesus and food tend to go together a lot, and there's a reason for that. The main symbol that Jesus uses when he teaches or when he taught or preached, the main symbol he used for the kingdom of heaven was a banquet or a feast. In Matthew, it's shortly after Jesus teaches the Lord's Prayer, he says, Many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Have you noticed the connection here? Right after Jesus teaches us to pray, Your kingdom come, 
he teaches us to ask for our daily bread. Jesus himself is the bringer of the kingdom, so it only makes sense that he would connect our daily bread with the coming of the kingdom of God. And so here it becomes even more clear that by praying, give us today our daily bread, we're not praying for something less important at all. And so as we acknowledge the importance of this prayer, this line, give us today our daily bread, we might start to wonder, what exactly does that all include? Like, Does it mean just bread? Does it mean food in general? What's included in our daily bread? Well, let's take a look at what Jesus might have meant when he said daily, because lots of translations word this differently. Some say, give us this day our daily bread. Some say, give us today our daily bread. Some say, give us bread for the coming day. But either way, most translators agree that this line of the prayer focuses on our immediate needs, the next 24 hours even. You know, if you're praying it at night, it means you're praying for your needs for the coming day. If you're praying it in the morning, it means that your needs for the day ahead of you. And so the question we should be asking now is, what are our immediate needs? You've probably guessed that physical, edible bread isn't all Jesus was talking about. So what else did he mean? Well, I think there are a few different areas Jesus was referring to. So let's dig into them now. The first one is, when we pray, give us today our daily bread, we're praying for our physical needs. And the first one is food, of course. Everything our bodies need, all the nourishment and nutrition they need, to function the way God intended them to. But there's something more than that, and it comes back to the fact that Jesus is clear about who we are praying for. The line doesn't read, give me my daily bread. It doesn't say, give my family their daily bread. It says, give us our daily bread. So when we think about our physical needs, we're thinking about the entire world. We're praying for everything this world requires to function, everything from you know, good weather to grow crops to um, wisdom among leaders in our countries. It means praying for the people who you know, cook your food at restaurants, the people who build the bridges that you drive across every day. So in this line of the prayer, we're asking the Father to provide everything necessary for the preservation of life. So that's the first aspect. The second aspect is our spiritual needs. In other words, everything it takes to follow Jesus. And what does it take to follow Jesus? It takes the fruits of the Spirit. It takes love and hope and patience and perseverance. It takes vision. And so we can pray to the Father and ask him for those things. We can ask the Father to give us a clear vision for his kingdom. Jesus once said that people do not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So just as we need our Father to provide us with the patience and the hope and the vision to live out his kingdom here on earth, we also need the very word of God. Scripture is here for us to learn from and be encouraged by in our walk with Christ. So in order to follow Jesus with everything we've got, we have to dig into what the Bible is telling us. In 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3 emphasizes the importance of this. It says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Do you hear that? Scripture is inspired by the Father himself. And so it's here that we figure out how to follow Jesus. So in praying for our daily bread, we can pray that God's word would guide our actions, our thoughts, and everything else that makes up our life. 
So here's what we have so far. When we pray for our spiritual needs, we're praying for the characteristics necessary to follow Jesus and for guidance from God's word. But there's one more piece to the puzzle, and that's Jesus himself. John 6:35 says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now you have to understand just how crazy and bold this sounded to the group of people Jesus was talking to. Jesus was telling this crowd that they needed him more than they needed their next meal, more than they needed any meal, in fact. And to a group of people who, you know, were always thinking about what they are going to eat next, to hear some, you know, poor, kind of homeless-looking guy tell them that they needed him, that was crazy. But Jesus insists that he is the bread of life, that the bread that will sustain us, the only bread that will satisfy us. And again, in John chapter 6, later on, he says, Again, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here's the bread that comes down from heaven, which people may eat and not die. Because as much as we need physical food and nourishment, we need Jesus more. As much as we need the word of God to shape and guide our lives, we need Jesus more. So to put it all together, when we ask our Father for our daily bread, we're talking about our physical needs, needs of this world, our spiritual needs, and for Jesus himself. We're praying for food and for shelter, for the preservation of everything that, you know, makes life work here on earth. We're asking that God would give us spiritual strength and guidance from his word, and we're asking for Jesus himself, that the one who called himself the bread of life would come into our lives and satisfy us. And so as you can see, the scope of this one little line is absolutely enormous. And there's something really important we need to remember here. As much as it seems like we're asking for crazy things, Jesus taught us to pray this. He teaches us to pray this, and he longs for us to come as we are and to ask the Father for these things. So what is Jesus teaching us to do through this line of the prayer? How do we apply this line of the prayer to our lives? Over the last few weeks, we've been encouraging you to pray this prayer daily. And I want to encourage you to keep doing that. And when you come to the line, give us today our daily bread, pause and ask the Father for what you need. Ask the Father to provide for your needs, your physical needs, your spiritual needs. But in addition addition to simply praying this line of the prayer, I think there are three things that happen when we pray, Father, give us today our daily bread, when we pray that authentically. When we pray that line, we stand together. Jesus teaches us to pray not just for our own individual needs, but for our needs, for our daily bread. Jesus calls us into a lifestyle of solidarity. He calls us to pray that the Father would provide for everyone, not just you, not just me, not just my family, but the entire family of God. Now, I think there's a couple ways we can really live this idea of solidarity, this idea of standing together, out practically. One of the most valuable things I believe you can do for your prayer life is to pray with others. I mean, think of someone in your life who you would trust or who you, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend, someone you'd be willing to pray with on a regular basis. Maybe, you know, you get together for coffee once every couple weeks. Maybe you talk on the phone, but either way, you get together and you spend time in prayer. However you do it, I want to challenge you to make this a priority. Spending time alone with the Father is so important. 
But spending time together in prayer is a super powerful way to remind ourselves of our place in the family of God. So that's your first challenge. Think of someone you trust and to ask them to pray with you on a regular basis. If you can't commit to, you know, physically getting together every week, maybe you talk on the phone Monday nights and you tell your friend what you're stressed about, things that are bothering you, struggles you're having, and then commit to pray for each other throughout the week. The encouragement you'll experience from knowing that a brother or sister in Christ is praying for you is absolutely incredible. I can guarantee it. I want to remind you of James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Now, this is a verse I've written out and I've stuck it on my mirror to remind myself to pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ, to pray for others. Because when we come to prayer, and especially when we get to this line, it can be easy to slip into kind of a self-centeredness that can take over our prayer life. So how does praying give us today our daily bread change our lives? It reminds us to live in solidarity. When we pray this line authentically, when we pray with and for each other, we stand together. The next thing is that when we ask the Father to provide for our daily needs one day at a time, we depend on God. Jesus teaches us to pray for our daily bread, what we need that day, not our weekly bread, what we need, not what we need for you know, the month ahead or the year ahead, but for our daily bread. Jesus teaches us to pray for one day at a time. He teaches us to trust that the Father will provide. And most of us are incredibly privileged in a way that we don't have to sit down at the breakfast table like Mueller did and pray for our daily bread when we don't have any. And that privilege makes it super easy to lose that sense of dependence on our Father. We can start to think that maybe we're the ones in control or we're the ones providing for ourselves. And that simply isn't true. So when Jesus teaches us to ask the Father for our daily bread, he's calling us back into that lifestyle of dependence on the Father. He's reminding us who we should be relying on. It's likely that when Jesus taught his followers the Lord's Prayer, he had a story from the book of Exodus in mind. In the story, the Israelites were traveling away from Egypt into the promised land. And every day, God would provide them with manna, this type of bread. And every day it would fall down from the sky and they would go and collect it. But they were instructed just to collect what they needed for that day. You know, if they stockpiled it or hid some away to save for the next day, if they were trying to prepare for the next day, they would wake up and the manna would be rotten the next day. But as long as they trusted that God would keep providing the manna, there was new manna, there was new food for them every single day. You know, these people had their daily bread provided for them because they were wholly and completely trusting in their Father. Now, when we pray that God would provide that he would, you know, take care of our needs, there's always this nagging question in the back of our minds, right? Like, is he really able to provide? Is he really able to fix that relationship I really messed up? Is he really able to put food on my table when I'm really struggling? To answer this question, which I think is a fair question, we have to look at the life of Jesus. When Jesus was here on earth, was he able to provide? Well, if we look to the stories about Jesus, to the Gospels, we see that the answer is an overwhelming yes. I mean, Jesus took, you know, a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish, and he multiplied it to feed 5,000. 
Jesus looked at fishermen who hadn't caught anything all day, and he said, put your net in one more time. And they brought up more than they could carry. Jesus was at a wedding, and there was no more wine left. And he turned water into wine for the bride and groom. So yes, Jesus is able. Jesus is able to provide. And so we can ask for our daily needs confident that God is able, that he will provide for us one day at a time. When we pray, Father, give us today our daily bread, we depend on God. By praying with and for others, we stand together. By praying that our needs would be met by the Father one day at a time, we depend on God. And when we recognize that the Father does indeed provide all we need, we give thanks. By teaching us to pray, give us today our daily bread, Jesus is calling us into a lifestyle of gratitude. Because how else can we respond every time Food is put on our table every time the weather allows your food to be grown, every time children are fed. This prayer is being answered. So what response can we give other than gratitude? The only appropriate response is thank you, Father. So this week I want to challenge you to be intentional and vocal about your gratitude, not just when you pray this prayer, but aside from prayer altogether. Jesus calls us to recognize what the Father has already provided for us the ways that he already has given us our daily bread. For me, I find this is a great way to start my day. Every morning I just jot down two things I'm thankful for. And I know some of you do the same with like a gratitude journal or something. But I I think it really changes the way the rest of your day goes. Because when you start the day off by recognizing the way God has answered prayers, it makes it really tough to go the rest of the day wondering if he's going to be able to answer, you know, your current struggle. Waking up every, I think this line of the prayer is a practical one. Yes, we obviously pray this line, you know, during the Lord's Prayer, but there are clear actions we can take to live it out. We can stand together, praying together. We can totally depend on God one day at a time. And we can give thanks. If we made it a priority to stand together in prayer, I think our lives would be completely changed. I mean, I want you to think of the ways you could encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ, the ways others could encourage you by praying with each other and by praying for each other. If you depended on God, honestly and authentically, every single day, one day at a time, the way you work, the way you parent, the way you spend your money, all of that could be shifted. I mean, think about how leaning wholly and completely on the Father would change the way You live, and waking up every morning and giving thanks before anything else will change the way the way the rest of your day goes. I mean, what if you began each and every day by thanking God for what He's already provided? The difference it would make if you use this line of the prayer as an excuse to live a life that starts with gratitude is enormous. So, what does Jesus teach us through this line of the prayer? He teaches us to stand together in solidarity. He teaches us to depend on our Father one day at a time. And he teaches us to give thanks. Solidarity with the family of God, complete dependence on our Father, and constant daily gratitude will change the way you pray. I guarantee it. Jesus wants us to ask the Father for what we need. He teaches us to ask. I want to close in prayer, and then I'll invite the worship team up to sing one more song with us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you 
for being the good father that you are. We thank you for all of the prayers you've already answered, all the ways you've already provided. I pray that as we go out into this week, that you would give us opportunities to stand with one another, praying together, praying for each other. And I pray that wherever we're at this week, whatever struggles we're dealing with, that you would come in and show us how we can depend on you, that you would allow us to be completely dependent on you for whatever we need. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen.